Welcome to the number one South Asian radio station in North America. Ruckus Avenue Radio. I'm a doctor, a father, an American, an Indian. I've had conversations about life from every angle, and as I've navigated the South Asian experience, I share stories of people and their purpose. And what they're saying over and over again is, trust me, I know what I'm doing. I'm Abhay Dandekar, and on this episode of Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing, I'm joined by film, series, and theater actor Ankur Rathi. Stay tuned. So I've been struck by people whose craft is continually being perfected and whose talent is being harnessed and accessed quickly through deep, deep introspection. In some ways, the study of this awareness and how it's nurtured or even inherently is just present is simply fascinating to me, especially when you think about how hard it is to really sit still and find a moment of silence in a noisy, noisy world. To this point, I saw a TED-style talk on the science of yoga and meditation, recently featuring actor Ankur Raki, and I wanted to catch up with him about his work and reflections after hearing him speak. He's a very talented dancer and actor, most notably from the series Four More Shots, Please and Andeki, as well as the films Thappad and Tesh. Born in Haryana, finishing high school in San Diego, and now acting mostly in India, he's one embodiment of the Indian-American artist. We talked about straddling these worlds, developing relationships, and even dismantling the patriarchy in his industry. But since he also has an anthropology degree from Princeton, I first asked him about what his latest observations and introspections have taught him during the pandemic. Just being able to sort of understand the exercise of human behavior and really sort of study it and dig into it. So, so in this kind of year of reflection in a pandemic culture, what have you sort of learned about yourself? Well, that's a really interesting question. Um, I, I realized just how much probably, um, how many of my friends that I considered friends were actually acquaintances. Mm. And how many of the friends um, actually were bringing value to my life in a significant manner? I yeah. think um, I think the the older you get, I, I notice this trend that I always want to fight against, which is that you start to make less and less like you know new friends. Mm. Um, I, I I think I probably every year or two I add another very close friend into my life, but yeah. that kind of barrier to entry is 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 uh, it's high, I think, purposefully because you you want to you want to guard your time, you want to guard your attention, you want to guard um, how much you share of yourself with other people, so that the people you do share with, uh, you know, they get their complete your complete focused attention. You don't want to dissipate your energy. Now that that I mean, like close close, you know, family like mm. hashtag friends, you know, like right. close family slash friends. Yeah. Uh, outside of that, the service we do to all the people that we meet uh, through our work, uh, through our social interactions, acquaintances, and so on and so forth, we keep that up. But this this pandemic definitely made me realize that, okay, who are those people that I, um, I can live without? 
And who are those people I cannot live without? And so that was a very important lesson to me to realize where do I need to start directing my attention more? And where can I probably pull back a little bit? You know, I, I have friends who I haven't met in years, um, but yet I, I could, you know, bump into them tomorrow and we could pick up where we left off because our, our right. relationships are that deep. Um, so how, how do you contrast both of those kinds of, uh, you know, sentiments? You know, the nature of our profession is um, we're meeting a lot of people all yeah. the time. Um, you, you know, as opposed to working in an office setting uh, where you have your set of coworkers and they change every now and again, but it's a gradual change for us where uh, the best way to think of us is like uh, we're, we're, we're freelancers, you know, like we go from one, one film to the next film, to the next series, to the next whatever project it is. And so your, uh, your coworkers and your colleagues are changing constantly. And those few months that you're shooting with those people, it's incredibly uh, intense. Yeah. You know, you're seeing each other for 12, 14 hours a day. Uh, you're, you're not only sometimes uh, required to be emotionally intimate with these people, but physically intimate with them in, in pursuit of, you know, doing, um, doing justice to your character. Yeah, to your craft. And then there's a lot of downtime, so you end up getting to know them really well. And there's this weird feeling that develops where it's like, gosh, you and I are super close. Yeah. And then the, 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 the film or the series or, the, or the, the show, the theater show, whatever, it comes to an end and you, you notice how much of those friendships kind of were just circumstantial. And as artists, we're so open and that's part of our job is to be so open and share so much of ourselves. Um, so yeah, we're constantly uh, giving in that way. And then, and then the other side of that is uh, from an entrepreneurial side, because actors at the end of the day, we're entrepreneurs, you know, yeah. um, our craft is, is the service that we provide. Yeah. And then these producers are our clients, you know, you know to say. Um, for us, networking is very big. Well, I wonder because of that, right, the, the sort of kind of sticky yet transient nature of these kinds of relationship does it mean that actors or, or those who are living in this constantly, in fact, are, are for that matter, more prone to being lonely? Yeah, uh, you'll notice that the, the whenever I'm working with older and more experienced actors, um, there's definitely an element of, of jadedness as well. But there's there's especially this kind of arm's length right. conversation. They, they keep that distance. And uh, unfortunately, a lot of people view that as kind of, oh, that person's being stuck up or, you know, they're not really being a team player. But uh, over the years, I've come to realize that's how they protect their magnetism. Right? Mm. That's how they protect that energy and that, um, in some cases, abundance of love, which can spill out too many different places and not be focused where it needs to be. Yeah. And so uh, it's quite quite unique and, and can be deceptive, especially as you gain more popularity in your career, because our profession is one that um, is enamoring to, to the common the common sure. man. So you'll find, uh, you know, my, my fiance Anuja will often remind me of this uh, as we kind of look back uh, on how our lives have changed with our work releasing with each each sure. project or film releasing, how people come out of the woodworks and, and they, they suddenly want to be um, reinvest in that friendship that they once had and and it was is there an ulterior motive behind that why 
you start to question the motives of why people want to get to know you more and more. Sure. And that that further kind of makes you a little bit more, you know, like maybe I'm going to play this close to the chest. I'm not going to give too much. Um, <laughs> Let me ask you about the craft a little bit too. I mean, you know, what strikes you a little bit more deeply, if at all, um, the actual study of performing or the performance itself, because if it's a craft that has to be perfected, right? If it's all part of the human experience, then, you know, studying the performance of an amazing, spectacular TikTok video versus that of a really deep theater performance, a true student would say that they're both the same thing. Yeah, well, um, it's very, it's a, it, I like that you kind of uh, bifurcated or kind of distinguished the idea of the study of craft versus the actual performance uh, aspect or, or kind of more inspiration driven, you know, right. uh, performance. Uh, I'll, I'll start with the second part, which is the TikTok versus uh, the theater. Uh, I, I think that I think that there can be creative genius hidden in all kinds of places. Yeah. And to be honest with you, I've seen some of the greatest performances uh, in real life not on a stage, not in front of a camera. You know, there's some people are just incredibly performative mm. um, and uh, people lie all the time. It's, it's very exciting to me to, to watch someone lie. I'm yeah. the person who, uh, you know, if, you know, I'm sitting and having lunch at Subway and across the table, I see this couple getting into a fight. There's some really perverse part of me that's really excited to see basically a scene playing out in the most authentic rendition possible. Yeah. Right. Like there's not there's no false note there. They're just they're just there. So I, I believe, yeah, you can find uh, amazing performance anywhere. Now, as, as far as, you know, uh, something a small format like TikTok versus a feature length film, um, the, the nature of our profession is collaborative. And so there are a lot of different steps to it. So when you talk about seeing something in a feature feature film um kind of presentation you're looking at maybe a year two three of, of script development uh producers you got and you, this huge undertaking so right. an ideally, entire enterprise it's an entire enterprise yeah. uh so ideally what you're going to see there is a culmination of so many efforts that the performance that you're going to see is going to probably be a little bit more impactful a little more layered um and and, and more thought out than a tiktok video can a TikTok video still have that impact? Sometimes, yeah. 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 I mean, I, I've, yet, I've yet to be in, impacted by a TikTok <laughs> video the way I, I was by, you know, a, a moment of Matthew McConaughey in Interstellar, for example. Like, that hasn't happened yet for me. Right. Um, but I is it possible? The, sure. Yeah. And, and what's amazing about both, right, is on the one hand, the TikTok video doesn't offer the layers of the collaboration, as you mentioned. And yet, on the other hand, the democratization and the power yeah. of a single individual being able to sort of express on at the at the drop of a hat, right, um, is right. amazing. You, you happen to be in many ways the embodiment of the Indian American, right? I mean, you're sort of you know living in both worlds. You, you went to college there. Um, by the way, is, is that important? I mean, is that important to sort of call out? Do you do you? see yourself as an Indian American or an American who happens to be in India or vice versa. Um, th does that make a difference for that matter? I'm so uh, constantly like feel like being pulled in different directions at times. Uh, yeah. You know, like right now I'm speaking to you in a very American accent. Right. Uh, this doesn't fly. This, this is not how I speak to most 
of my colleagues and and other working professionals in my industry. Well, and and I if I would have introduced you as Ankor Rathi, right? That would be yeah. maybe a little bit different, even different of a field. To right. Absolutely. I mean, I grew up with with people calling me Ankor, right? Ankur, right? right? There was just that. This is what it was, and so. Uh, yeah, I, I think very much so I am an Indian American uh, in that sense. Like there's a, a lot of the kind of individualistic ideology that I was brought up with, uh, you know, my my upbringing in San Diego, California. Like that you don't, you don't, that doesn't, it's always going to be there. And yeah. and yet at the same time, I'm, I, I'm very fortunate that my family, um, you know, I was born in India and my family grew up in India. And so the the, the unique nature of, of, of our migration to the States was that most Indian Americans will usually come from a big tier one city in India and then migrate, right? Like a Mumbai, Hyderabad, Chennai, uh, Delhi or something like that. Sure. My family came straight from the village. And yeah. so what that meant was the level of Western influence that they had uh, growing up was close to zero. Minimal. Yeah. And so when I was growing up, I was really kind of growing up in a, a Haryanvi village culture uh, in San Diego, California, because it wasn't just my family. My my uh, my mamaji lived like 10 doors down. My right. Asha Mosi, she lived, you know, uh, 25 minutes away. And so it, it was like my, my basically I had a community. I mean, our doorbell would ring at like 11 p.m. Right. Unannounced, my my uncle is there ringing the doorbell. He's like, "Let's have chai." Like you know, like let's let's play pitu. Let's play yeah. coco. Like let's go to. We were playing holy like on the beach, and like these you know Caucasians, Americans are looking at us like, going. "What is happening?" Yeah. Right. You know, and 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 like there's this tradition in holy, right? Like where sometimes the, the I think it's the Devrani. She like she takes a wet towel she like right. winds it up and she goes around and hits her brother-in-law it's like people are like what is going on but that yeah. that's that was the beauty of my upbringing so right definitely being an indian american is uh, is a big part of my identity and unfortunately the 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 other side of that is when i'm in india i feel more like an american and when i'm in america i feel more like an indian do you, do you feel like you have to pick a lane sometimes uh, yeah, I mean, well, the benefit is the world definitely feels smaller and smaller. You know, yeah. it's a 16 hour flight from work to <laughs> right. Bombay. Right. So uh, I when I first moved here, it felt like I definitely had to pick a lane. And the lane I picked was India. And yeah. now with my fiance, she just booked a, you know, a series regular role on this show called The Resident on Fox. Yeah. And um, she's shooting out of Atlanta and she's going to be there for some time now. Um, right. So it's kind of, it's, it's, it's strange. I feel like now the ability to switch lanes is becoming a lot more of a possibility. So sure. less so now do I feel like this compulsion to have to pick one or the other. Right. Let me ask you this. Um, you know, you mentioned you, your sort of first love and, and you grew up training as a dancer. Um, and, you know, as you've sort of ventured into other performing arts and being an actor and, um, you know, this, this, as you gain more versatility, does the storytelling of and, and the reminders of when you go back to dancing or when you revisit that, um, as you become more versatile of an artist, does, uh, you know, do you start exploring more versions of, of that storytelling? Does your dancing change as now you become that much more versatile of an artist? Absolutely. Uh, 
a lot of a lot of people will tell you that um, you know they'll tell actors, hey, you should go take a dance class, or you should take a singing class. I mean, all the, the, those three kind of feed into each other constantly. Um, a perfect example of that is uh, if it's it, being a dancer. Uh, when I come and approach my craft as an actor, uh, my ability to block scenes that are, let's say, combat oriented or especially scenes that are physically intimate and the blocking of those, um, it definitely helps, yeah. right? Because I've grown up partnering. I did a lot of contemporary with a lot of female partners growing up and being in that close proximity with a woman and knowing how her body moves through space and, and yeah. kind of feeding off that energy and being comfortable in that proximity is something which, by the way, is very new for Hindi cinema, right? Like sure. they, that's a, so it's very new for actors in Hindi cinema. It's especially new for directors in Hindi cinema. How do we, how do we navigate this professionally? How do we create blocking around some of these things? And, and there, there are people that are much better than others and vice versa. But as an actor, I see that kind of dance experience bleeding in uh, to, to, to the acting space and uh, the acting space into the into the dance like when I, now I realize the impact that you can have as a dancer when you start when you stop trying to impress an audience with um, physical feats and, and expertise and start to build in more charismatic moments, uh, especially when we talk about the, the Hindi cinema genre, right? Like, how do you do that? Well, how do you find that balance? And I've started to now allow myself to explore that now when I'm choreographing a dance piece, you know, how do I build in those more performative moments? And the singing bleeds into both. Um, you know, you're, 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 as a singer, you're like, use, you're using your voice all yeah. the time. And so I, I'm, I'm often surprised how spontaneously I will in a performance, be doing something with my voice that only until later when I go home, I'm like, that was really strange that I did that. And I realized because I've just grown up doing weird things with my mouth and my voice all the time. Your, you know, experience with four more shots, please. And yeah. particularly in a environment that was not just dominated by women, but in fact, an environment that was really cultivated and motivated by women. Obviously, it's one thing to for men to develop that empathy and to understand that kind of environment. But, you know, especially in Indian entertainment, and, and obviously this is something that we're cognizant of everywhere. What are the next steps now? As a, as a male actor, as someone who is in the industry, how do you cultivate a culture and an environment moving forward that it's not it's not something that has to be um, called out that it's actually understood that right. there is no gap that there is a, a incredible importance um, to this to this presence what, what are some of the ways to now make that those barriers go away we've got a long way to go well, unfortunately most of the sets that have been on uh, in india are 80 percent 85 percent male dominated mm -hmm. um 20 years ago, you know, I speak to older actors, that number was more like 95, sure. right? So if you're, if you're, I mean, there were no women working, you know, there were very few women working behind the camera in that, in that mm -hmm. time period. So imagine if you're an actress from that era and you're doing an intimate scene. Um, right. I mean, it's, it's just, it's just, it makes a huge difference having female representation on the creative team. Right. Because people don't realize, but you know, we're, it's a very, it's a collaborative medium, but it's a, it's a collaboration between a lot of passionate individuals 
with a lot of money on the line mm-hmm. and a short amount of time to shoot. Yeah. With all kinds of things going haywire, right? Like location, lights, the sun is going. There's so much happening and you guys are all working towards the same goal, but sometimes don't have the same uh, motivation, the same approach. Uh, when you're having those battles with your producer, with your director, um, and especially when it comes to uh, an issue that is purely just a male and female perspective, right? Yeah. The patriarchal system that we brought them, that male privilege we come with, you know, a lot of men are just not able to see the other side of it. Yeah. As a woman, you can advocate for yourself, but to what end if there's no one else there who understands your perspective? We need more female voices. We need more female directors, female um, producers who can be those voices. And so Four More Shots Please really was um, very unique in that sense. Uh, mm-hmm. I didn't realize just how, talk about male privilege, I didn't realize just how male dominated the industry was until I went on that set. Yeah. Because I had heard from my fiance, uh, from my, you know, from her sister, my Tubi sister in law, Anisha, and from many other people about what it's like to be on a set and mm-hmm. the kind of scrutiny that you undergo in terms of your physique, the kind of comments you're subject to, sure. the kind of pressure to, to behave a way, to do a certain thing, the pressure to network in a certain way. Yeah. Right? Like when, when I'm meeting another man in this industry, I don't have to think about also keeping the, like making the other guy think that, you know, hey, I might be interested. Like that's not something right. I have to ever worry right. about, right? But the truth right. is, is unfortunately a lot of pigs in many yeah. industries, I won't just say entertainment, no. um, who won't give you the, the time of day, uh, you know, right. until that ego is gratified for them. So Four More Shots Please was amazing because I stepped on and for the first time, I was kind of like, I guess the eye candy or whatever you want to call it. Like I felt like I was being scrutinized for my body right. in an all female set pretty much. And I felt very insecure for the first time. And I, and I thought, wow, if I'm feeling that as a man, I can't imagine what it's like as a woman, you know, on, on, a, on an all male set. And, and, and is the next step now um, for that matter, males taking the lead to ensure that women are in those positions of absolutely power, in those positions of leadership absolutely if you are if you are a man uh and i hope i, I say this and i hope i'm able to live by this you know yeah. uh moving forward but if you're if you're a man in a position of power i think you have not just a responsibility but it would serve you better to have make sure that there's a balance of, of female voices that you have creatively in the room yeah. uh, or, or you know in in, on, in the on that that table of decision makers it's super important because you gotta remember half your audience is female <laughs> right <laughs> like it's it not like it makes I mean, great sense right <laughs> let's talk about if you if you're if it's if it's like oh you know oh but business will suffer well not really right and it's it's a smart economic decision too in my opinion right. if you allow more women to be decision makers in this field yeah. Um, we're representing life at the end of the day and we're representing that dead gender as well. So we should have that gender behind and in front of the camera. We only have a few minutes left, but I, I wanted to ask you uh, about this particular aspect of, I, I think, some of your unique you know, skills and qualities. You, you're a big student and practitioner of meditation. I'm curious, you know, for you both personally and professionally, what are, what are the surprises and the sparks that result from it, particularly in your craft and, and as you go forward in your career? I'll tell you uh, two of the biggest. Um, the first is, I think that creativity can is often born uh, out of stillness. 
I think that um, when we're very distracted, when we're filled with restless energy, um, we'll still be able to create. We can definitely still create, um, but it's not necessarily intuition born. Like it's it's not it's if you if you're really trying to lead with intuition, if you're really trying to we were talking about the study of the craft versus right. kind of inspiration driven or intuition driven performance, right? Um, the craft is great. The yeah. cra- craft is wonderful because the days you show up to set and you don't, you're not feeling inspired, you rely on your craft, it's going to get you by. It's very important. But if you want to go beyond that and you want to start channeling something, um, dare I say divine or dare I say like just inspired, you know, um, beyond craft where it's like something spontaneous, something that's a level of authenticity that you've never explored before. Uh, that comes from something that's very intuitive and, and intuition can really only be heard in that stillness and a set of 200, 250 people, a lot of people yelling and all this other stuff happening, chaos. And then the, the, you know, you're having trouble thinking and, and you're being pulled in different directions and someone's doing your makeup and someone's tugging this and sewing this and saying, Hey, move this side. We need the focus or move up forward, move up back. Can you do the blocking for us? Can can we just run lines? And, and then suddenly they say, okay, silence on set, you know, camera rollings, camera rolling, sound rolling action. And then suddenly you're expected to do that. Um, man that's where that meditation that muscle comes in handy because it's like boom you can you can achieve that stillness not action but even with all the chaos happening around you because you've you've trained yourself to turn off the senses you're no longer releasing or dissipating your prana and and energy trying to process this outside stimuli you're able to go inward so that's that's one aspect which is important the biggest aspect for me, uh, and I say personally for me, maybe for other people it's, it's right. different. Yeah. But our profession is one of constant rejection. It, it is it is one as as you've noticed. Many of us uh, artists were riddled with insecurities. Um, we're often often projecting something that we're not. Um, we have difficulty with authenticity. We're often. Uh, doing absurd things, anything to maintain the applause. Um, It's very easy to get lost. It's very easy to um, be incredibly discouraged. Uh, The odds are not in your favor. At least it seems that way when when you look at the numbers, right? Well, that's when meditation has helped me the most. Mm. Uh, It's it's helped me really stay centered and grounded and and, uh, not be thrown by the the waves not be thrown by the constant ups and downs not to get overexcited when something uh when when a success happens and not to be completely down in the dumps when a rejection happens to be even-minded really throughout throughout all of it because it's so essential otherwise you're just going to get yanked around and um we know so many artists that are incredible but their personal life is ridden with Mm -hmm. unhappiness and that's that's part of the reason, like, you know, higher you climb, the stronger the winds, they say, right? And and I wonder if the essence of all of this is with that, that personal realization, with that growth, with that stillness, with the ability to sort of stay very even keeled and focused throughout these ups and downs and, the, and that roller coaster you described. Has meditation in, in some ways brought you to trust yourself that much better mm-hmm. and that much more? 
Oh yeah. Um, without getting too much into it, uh, personally for me, it's like when you say trust yourself, have faith in yourself. You know, I think of this affirmation. Um, I hope I get it right. Uh, I am a prince of peace, sitting on my throne of poise, commanding my kingdom of activity. Mm. I, I think of that. I think of that affirmation because. You know, if we're if we're to say, oh, we're all God's children, okay, we're made in His image, then okay, then we're princes, right? That this is our kingdom, yeah. And to remember that what what you hope to impact the world with, what your creative endeavors and, and what you want to do, um, is your divine birthright. Now that's something that's that can be a really powerful thought if you start to believe in it. So when you say have faith in yourself, trust in yourself, even with all the chaos, even with other people saying you're not good enough or others saying, hey, you're amazing when you're not. Right. Uh, to to have that level of grounding of saying, okay, no, no, I matter. Yeah. I matter and I don't have to rely on anyone else telling me. My daily practice of meditation and connection with my higher self reminds me of that every day. Ankur, this has been so terrific of a conversation. I've enjoyed it a lot. I hope uh, you'll come back and join us again soon. Absolutely. Thank you for asking such um, exciting question. Thanks, Ankur. And what's even more exciting is following us on Instagram and Twitter at mygoodfriend and subscribing to our podcast wherever you usually listen. The global crisis is the local crisis. So please, everyone, stay safe and healthy, and let's try and help each other out. Till next time, I'm Abhay Dandekar. Because every story told is a lesson learned. Because every lesson learned is a story waiting to be told. I'm Abhay Dandekar, and I share stories about South Asian people and their purpose. And what they're saying over and over again is, trust me, I know what I'm doing. Hear it every Monday, Tuesday on Ruckus Avenue Radio or wherever you get your podcast. Yo, what's up? This is DMC and you can catch me on Ruckus Avenue Radio. Peace.